Okay, Angus, well, this is the studio. Here? Yeah. In this creepy old house? It's, it's all we can afford, I'm afraid. What about all the creeping noises? Oh, I just edit them out. Doesn't that take ages? Yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare, actually. That's why I haven't finished episodes of Series 8 yet. Sounds like a reasonable excuse. Yeah, totally reasonable. So, I just sit here, do I? Yeah, uh, headphones are on the chair there. Oh, I should warn you that I'm recording this episode with binaural sound to create that sort of 3D effect. Wow, that sounds incredible. Uh, it's the wonders of modern podcast technology. I guess the secret is not to lean too heavily on the gimmicky effects, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You've got to be really subtle about it so the audience doesn't notice. That was odd. What was? All those crazy sort of random sounds coming from all over the place. Oh, I d- didn't hear anything. Okay, uh, time to set your level. Sure. Um, one, two, one, two. How's that? What? I said, how's my level? Try not to breathe directly into the microphone if you can. It causes a slight background noise that can be a little distracting. I'm sorry, what? I said, don't breathe too loudly into the microphone. We're trying to sound professional. Ah, of course. Sorry. No, no need to apologise. You're new to this. It, it takes a while to. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Oodcast, the Ood One Out with me, Chris Mead. Thank you for coming back again. Another week of Doctor Who excitement ensues uh, and i am particularly excited this week for i have another guest host an honorary ood Ooh. and it is angus dunnigan it's so nice to be an honorary ood I, I, I need to get some get dangly bits for my face just so that i can be more like an ood well you can eat noodles and then just pause halfway through yeah a mouthful <laughs> just and hold a hold one of those balls for uh, putting the wa- putting in the washing machine yeah oh yeah <laughs> one of those guys yeah just uh hold put, a, that. put a tea light put a tea light it. inside it and then accidentally start a fire because it will melt definitely melt i mean the youths do that they though. do they do all the time mate they're 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 a bloody nuisance they really are i would never have an ood as a slave i mean i'm putting my hands up to that now i mean i'd never have a slave to be honest i mean i feel like you're <laughs> setting the bar a bit low for yourself morally there i mean you just sure Room for improvement for my part. Uh, (laughs) Angus is a stand-up and an improviser and a writer Mm -hmm. and a general comedy guy. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) not paid much to do any of those things, but yes. (laughs) uh, And we've known each other for some years, but only Mm. found out that we were both Doctor Who fans fairly recently. Yeah, yeah, just because we were because you were doing um, you were performing at the Vault, weren't you? And uh, and and uh, and 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 I was I was there to see your show. Your lovely, lovely. 
a very very sci-fi show and yeah. uh it's gorgeous and there was just this sort of subtle kind of like you, you like doctor who don't you yes i do yes because <laughs> you know when you're a doctor who fan you send out these little feelers flares just yeah. drop a quote into conversation or mention a concept from the show and yeah. if anyone's eyes light up like it was one of us it was harder during the wilderness years wasn't it because like you go and i remember standing at a bookshop wearing my homemade tom baker scarf which you can now get like proper proper ones from the shops but that's for amateurs mate you've got to make yours <laughs> and i was there with my tom baker scarf and some some this 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 guy in a cagoule wandered up to me he was like hello i, uh, I like your scarf <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, cheers. He's like, so you're uh, looking around furtively. You're a fan, are you? <laughs> it's just like, this is like, this is suspiciously close to dogging. It, <laughs> that does sound a little bit odd. The way, although that might have just been your character voice for that guy. Yeah, no, but he was quite like that. It was, <laughs> yeah, a bit like that. He sounded a bit like a cartoon wolf. Yeah, maybe. Well, I, I think that's just my that's my default predatory Terry Thomas voice, I guess. Sure so. thing. Did you do colour swatches colour in your sw- scarf? Myself? No, I, well, I, I didn't. I mean, I, my mum helped me, I won't lie. Uh, but we, we approximated, because I had the Doctor Who pattern book. I had the actual, like, the book it largely entirely... The only reason it was published so they could give you the scarf, the the, the pattern for the Tom Baker scarf, and they thought, yeah. well, we've got to come up with a bunch of other things to knit. So there's like a canine shoulder bag, and there's like a sort of <laughs> console floor pillow. It's great, the stuff, and there's brilliant. But the best is like knittable costumes for like action men figures, so you can make your own like Doctor Who action figures back when they weren't available. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, oh that makes me think of the Sylvester McCoy uh, era. Figures. Do well, you by da- by Dapol, yeah. I oh was desperate for the because there was this thing you because I had the TARDIS, but the TARDIS opened up, uh, but there was but it didn't have the control console or no. anything like that. And there was this twenty fifth anniversary set you could get, which gave you extra TARDIS control, pa- extra TARDIS panels, and also the control unit itself. And the and the, and the thing went up and down, and it lit up, and it came with like a free Mel figure and a free Tetrap <laughs> from a free Mel, free figure. Mel, mate, free Mel's for all. Who doesn't want yeah, Bonnie mate, Langford turning up to a party? I brought the mouths. <laughs> uh, I first time I opened my TARDIS uh, from that set, yeah, just snapped it into. Oh, mate! Like yeah. the, the first time. Yeah, I had the same thing when I when I opened my Sylvester McCoy figure that my parents. Because I remember in holiday in Scotland, you I snapped six, it into. Oh, well, his arm just came off in my hand. I was like, "Well, that's the end of play for today, isn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> it's just like. Just yeah. hoping it would regenerate overnight. Well, that's well, it was, it was yeah, it was too far from his uh, his regeneration cycle, which is obviously uh, new who information about regeneration of limbs. But never mind. <laughs> sure, yeah, well, that yeah. was all yet to come. It was all at yet that to stage. come. Mate. New canon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here to review the fourth episode, which is called Knock Knock. Mm-hmm. We are going to do the normal format, the the new format, which is three things that we loved and one thing that we were not quite so sure about. Mm-hmm. So, if it's okay with you. Mm-hmm. We will start with one thing. First thing I really liked, I really liked that I noticed, um, I mean, it's been in the show already before, but I noticed Bill's theme, this show, this episode more, and they kind of used it quite nicely. Because I, I I'm really into like the companion themes in the new series, because the old series, the, the classic series never really did much in the way of leitmotif. Occasionally you get like the first three notes of the theme song or something like that. I mean, it was usually <laughs> for like mementos moments, like regeneration or a, cat or a companion leaving or something like that. And even then it wasn't very common. But uh, obviously, new series has like all its themes, and we love them. Like you know, Rose's bad wolf theme, and and Amy's kind of like weird kind of lullaby thing she has. Um, 
so but this is quite nice like uh, bill's bill's one's quite nice it's quite sort of sort of like calypso isn't it it's like and and it's got this i don't know it's got it's quite upbeat it's quite bright it's quite it's very major it feels a bit like Donna's theme, actually, which was mm-hmm. quite sort of like, which had that sort of plum, 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 that thing. My, my dad calls it plinker plonker music, which is this sort of television shorthand for sort of mischief. Yeah. Like you get it in like nature documentaries. I'm an upbeat uh, character. Here's the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. And you get it. Yeah. When, whenever something, whenever there's a bit of malarkey going on. So it's got a bit of that, but it's also got a bit of kind of Clara's piano thing. So it's kind of nice balance. It's quite, and it's very major. It's very bright, mm. sunny. And used really effectively in this episode. Yeah, really nice. Just, 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 just as we're sort of, she gets upstairs and she's establishing herself in her room and she's talking to her mum's portrait, and it's just a nice little character moment. And it's, uh, and it made me go back and watch a couple of other ones and sort of, and I noticed it more in those mm-hmm. as well. And it sort of suits Bill really nicely. And it's, and it's good because it is so sort of, um, it is very breezy, but. I feel like it's because this whole this whole doctor we've been sort of reversing out of the darkness a little bit. So even though we're coming towards the end now for Capaldi, it's kind of nice that it's we're reversing into the sunshine a little bit, which is quite nice. Yeah, because <laughs> all the other doctors, the only direction of travel was towards introspection yeah, and darkness and brooding. Yeah, and the, and that's the you know, the classic sort of trajectory, sort of from sort of Tom Baker onwards, wasn't it, really? You know, especially Tom, because he was just like... <laughs> I haven't a care in the world. No, now no, I do. No, I do. Now I'm dressed in autumn colours and I'm walking around in in in, in sort of brooding in the cloisters. <laughs> and a guy with a paper mache face, face is following me. I want them to do The Watcher again so hard. You have no idea. I'm hoping that's what's in the vault. Could be. I want it to be future him, like, in the vault, uh, like, as a weird cobwebby actor. <laughs> I've come to the conclusion that it's not the master because... It's not the master, it can't be. It's so obvious. It's so obvious, isn't it? Yeah. So it's going to be, yeah, I would think a future incarnation of, yeah. of the Doctor Would be is... wicked, yeah. A watcher would be great. <laughs> okay, you can take the rest of the night off. Go on, go and do whatever it is that you do. Actually, what do you do? No, never tell me that. Yeah, I just want to have a little look at this. Our friend inside's been a little restive lately. Um, I can sort that out. No, it's all right. I don't mind. Good night, Nadal. Right. Good night, sir. See you in the morning. A piano? You put a piano in there? Why? Good night. What's that? What's what? That noise. It's the piano. No. Is that a drum machine? <sighs> well. That sounds like a. Yeah, a Roland 909. Actually, it's the 808, the 909 had MIDI. For goodness sake, sir. Good night, Nardol. I don't know what he expects me to do when he keeps undermining me. What's that now? Are you still here? Can you see me? I'm not sure. I'm very hungry. I might be hallucinating. What's that thudding, squeaking sort of... (laughs) He still can't get over 12 bounces. Bounces? (laughs) Well, pogos. You put a pogo stick in there. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. Oh, and you've never left your toys around someone's house. I just don't think this sort of thing's appropriate, sir. After all, we... What? It's our responsibility to... Really, sir? A radio? TV, actually. A television? That's what TV stands for, yes. You let... uh, I mean, just watching television? What? You can't go playing the piano and being all cultured all the time. Sometimes you've got to kick back with your drum machine and your pogo stick... Crack open a beer and swear at some athletes. There's beer. Hardly, it's Foster's. Really, sir? Don't you think that this all might start to attract attention? This vault isn't really all that far down, you know, and there are already people within the university who are beginning 
to ask questions. We can set up all the perception filters you like, but eventually one of these students might prove genuinely perspicacious for once. And what's who's... Look, if you're going to stand here all night asking silly questions, I'm not going to let my food go cold. That's not the voice of... uh, That's someone else. You've got someone else in there with... Jack Whitehall. What? (laughs) It's the comedian Jack Whitehall. Jack Whitehall? Apparently he's their favourite. This is insanity. I know, he wouldn't be my first choice, not my cup of tea at all. More of a Billy Connolly man myself. Then why did you let him in? I guess wanted someone to watch the match with. Oh yeah? Whitehall's an Arsenal man, isn't he? (laughs) Of course he is. Look, sir, I appreciate that you want to make our guest comfortable, at least. But don't you think this goes beyond simply offering... Oh, no. Oh, no, that's not on. No, 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 not on my watch. Well, I'm glad you've come to your senses, sir. Now, see here, Ed. Ed Sheeran, do not make me come in there. I don't care how many Grammys you've won when I tell you only to sound check during half time. I bloody mean it. All season is the big, the other big thing. Of course. I feel like we're sort of foreshadowing that a lot. And the grandfather reference Grandfather this reference week. and Susan on his desk the other week. It feels like we're seeding her as an idea a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so it would be, oh, just imagine it. Imagine if it was Caroline Ford playing the piano in the vault. <laughs> why, is, <laughs> why? why is he keeping her in there? Maybe, maybe it's to keep her safe from something, though. Maybe she likes sort of... Maybe, she's maybe, she's maybe, gone mad and wants children to die. Well, no, but maybe it's like, maybe it's like with Clara. Maybe it's like there's something that's going to happen to her and it's inevitable because it's just it's in it's a fixed point in time and and he's just trying to keep her safe uh, by saying as long as you're down here nothing can happen to you kind of kind of vibe maybe i don't know i'm just spitballing good. I, <laughs> I mean, don't write the show chris i don't know if you're aware of that. oh you don't no i don't no oh, man you're not as as exciting a guest as i thought now uh, well no well you know it's all being recorded for posterity now so if you were right about any of this Mate. you can just point to it and love be it like, love it well my first thing uh, is I quite like that they did a version with the I think it's called binaural sound binaural beats yeah binaural <laughs> binaural yeah. yeah this idea that they're creating 3D soundscapes with mm. a stereo image nice. I feel like it is beholden to Doctor Who to push things forwards when it mm. can trying out new techniques mm. lest we forget the 3D mm. in that East Enders <laughs> episode <laughs> Mate, Dimensions in Time. I, everyone's, I feel, every time I remember Dimensions in Time, I feel like I've lost the game. Do you ever mm. play that game where you have to forget the game? Yeah, uh, you've uh, just yeah, stopped uh, everyone uh, from winning the game. Winning the game, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah, I just, I just did a game bomb via this podcast. Um, yeah, every time I remember Dimensions in Time, I go, well, that's still a thing. <laughs> There's nothing we can do about it. I, I, I did do, I plugged in my headphones onto iPlayer and had a go. And it is really interesting, mm. that field. And obviously they have a lot of bits with knocking coming from weird sure. places and creeks and stuff. I just thought that was a really I nice thing. I completely didn't know that was a thing. I'm going to have to listen to it with headphones now because mm. I, I didn't realise they'd done that. Uh, in fact, to be honest, I should just listen to it with headphones anyway because my house is very distracting. Um, so it would be, yeah, I, should, I just need to lock in a bit more. So that's cool. I didn't know they did that. That's yeah. nice. And it's just, you know, they're like, well, we've got this episode, let's try something new. Mm. And I just think that's a really admirable thing. Yeah, I think so. I I like it when it does stuff with sound anyway. I feel like the show's got a really good pedigree when it comes to sort of, particularly with sound, because so much of the show's 
early identity was based upon them just cheating stuff with cool noises because <laughs> yeah. they couldn't show a lot of stuff, so they had to do cool noises instead. And Delia Derbyshire laboriously it, yeah. putting all that magnetic tape, tape. in rows yeah. and playing it together. Yeah, that's the best stuff. I love it. I love when 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 Doctor Who's making silly noises is when it's at my my that's that's peak Who as far as I'm concerned. Well, then this week you must have been very happy because it was making a lot of weird noises. Oh, mate, I'm gonna have to go back. Okay, cool. Nice one. Two things. Okay, my second thing is the design of the wooden lady. I like the raffia-like hair. Mm. I thought it was a bit angel-like, the face, mm. but it was really disturbing and distracting yeah, mm. and well-realised. And when she comes around the side of the Yeah, the hands screen, were really good, wasn't it? It was really nice. Yeah I, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a gorgeous piece of work. Because obviously we've had wooden people in Doctor Who before. There's like, there was that the Christmas one with Matt Smith and there was the, um, the, the second episode of the new series. The, was, the, was it the lady from the Forest of Cheem? That's right, in, yeah. uh, on, in the end of the world. Um, but this was, uh, but but that that was a bit more never-ending story, wasn't it? That was a bit more sort of like you know you could see their eyes and their lips, and they were much more noticeably organic. This was this was nice. It was really they, she properly looked like she was made of wood. <laughs> yeah, such a tragic character. My second favorite thing was was just the relationship between David Suchet and Eliza. Uh, I I love, I, I I like it when villains don't that when when their motivation isn't sort of megalomania or greed when it's tw- when it's sort of like the, the, it's like a tragic flaw it's mm. like, it's it's obsessive love and uh and i kind of like because it's just much more interesting isn't it dramatically and uh what i really liked about this is that i mean Do- doctor who's done this, done this sort of thing before where you've got like a kind of murderous servant and a kind of an impaired supernatural master like doctor who loves doing that like sort of bob holmes used to love doing that in the classic series well like with like Wing Chiang, Pyramids of Mars, Brain of Morbius. Like, but it's, it's very gothic, isn't it? It's like Renfield in Dracula. But this is kind of subverts that really nicely because obviously it is driven by mutual love. And also it flips the power relationship or it flips the status because she remembers that she's his... Uh, she remembers that she's actually his mother rather than his daughter. And it's really... And, it's, and I found that quite affecting because that's like... Um, the kind of relationship you might have with somebody who has dementia where they, where they have like right. a moment of lucidity and they suddenly remember who you are they look onto you they, for just that, that second, second and yeah. they come back to you for a second and and, and and just their their relationship sort of completely shifted and david suchet becomes a child again and i thought yeah that was that, that was much more interesting and also just um mariah mariah gale is that her name i can't remember the name of the actress the actress yeah yeah I, I i don't remember her name is both me and my wife were like oh we know her so much I've got it written down and then we realized that she was um david tennant's ophelia oh really yeah so right, that's where that's, we know her from. See, that's the thing. She crops up in loads of stuff, and I see her because I think she's predominantly a theatre actress. She's done loads of work for the RSC. Yeah, um, but yeah, she's lovely, and and it's great. And she was good because even though she's working under all that stuff, it's she's got such a lovely sort of lovely distinct face that it really shines through through it, despite the despite having all the the kit on her. Yeah, <laughs> and and you're so right about oh, that relationship. And when you really think about it, this mm. kid who's essentially been left alone yeah and then has to probably didn't go to school yeah probably has to mimic being an adult Adult, yeah he's he's this sort of weird chancy gardener being there character almost he sort of doesn't really know how to be an adult probably but he sort of pretends to be a sort of yeah exactly uh but he kind of they hint that he kind of knows what he is a little bit because that that bit where where he's where he takes the record off and pavel gets fully absorbed into the wall uh he's he's got a lovely line it's uh, uh, he says um 
hope is its own form of cruelty, yeah. which is great, which is really good, especially in terms of it reflecting the kind of the terminal relationship of just staving off the inevitable with his what transpires to be his mother. It's pretty, I, that's a great line, really nice. Three things that we liked. Just Capaldi. He's just he's <laughs> no, he's knocking it out of the park, isn't he? And I'm, you know, I'm I I I you know, I've I've loved Capaldi as the doctor, but I think that there's been there's been some unevenness in the characterization and things like that, but he's just he's just crushing it. He's doing such lovely work. Uh like just simple things like um how he engages like when the when the dryad comes out of the wood. And just always like, what are you doing here? You're on your holidays, and it's just it's a very doctorish thing of, of this. It's a kind of doctor comedy character beat they love doing of, of running uh, towards the run, terror and a, being a running towards the terror and being really into it, and b treating all life on the same footing, which is a very, it really reminded me of like Sylvester McCoy uh, talking to the Beetle in Ghostlight, talking about don't worry, you'll evolve soon. Again, another story set in a creepy house where there's a mother, mother and and child who don't know that they're a mother and child <laughs> it's a scottish doctor thing it's a scottish doctor thing it's yeah. you know, creepy goings on in the house with insects oh ghost light i am i am team ghost light oh yeah me Angus. too i am so pro ghost light the thing i love about ghost light is that it got so it got script edited up the wazoo and edited down for broadcast so heavily that it it, it makes so little sense <laughs> But it has such a brilliant atmosphere, and so you get it. Like after a couple of watches, you kind of the, the actual narrative beats make sense to you, and you go, "Oh, I see." But He's like, it's, but it's more like a kind of it's such a weird experience. It's like it's, it's the closest that Doctor Who's ever got to David Lynch. Goes like, oh, it's just absolutely. so odd, and and all the character, everybody is just belting their characters out to the back row in that script. <laughs> it's just, and it's the best part of it's the best part of the informal Ace trilogy, in my opinion. Oh, uh, well, with Fenric and Fenric and, and survival. survival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that character. I got to improvise with Sophie Aldred. Did you? Yeah. In what context? Uh, well, we do this show, which you will now be a part of, called Doctor Who's Line Is It Anyway, oh, where right. we improvise a Doctor Who episode. Sweet. We only do it like a couple of times a year. Sweet. But yeah, she came and was Sophie in it. Aldred. Oh my god, I would lose my mind. I could not speak. <laughs> she's such a groovy person as well because she like she's the sort of the main creative force behind what's it called? Is it Tree Food Tom? That t- that TV show which which was originally developed to help children with dyspraxia, right? But then just r- branched out and became this thing that children children just like sort of being in front of it and they sort of mimic the movements of the main character as he does all this sort of this sort of simple oh god these sort of uh, these sort of simple cutter movements. I love that you smack the microphone while doing the doing the, doing the movements. movements. Doing the, yeah, because yeah, yeah, my friends, my my, uh, my my friend's kid loves it, and I was like, that. and I found out that Sophie Aldridge was involved, and I got really excited. Yeah, so for me, when I saw her, I just it was like meeting royalty. Yeah, it was it was crazy, and she was so good and so nice, and she mm. just chatted and answered all my questions, which she probably answered many Zillion many times. times. Yeah. Yeah, she was uh, gracious and wonderful. Awesome. I, oh, I, I'm very jealous. So Sorry. this is our Ghostlight review episode. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. Sorry. <laughs> no, completely my fault. Um, my third thing is a nice companion to your second thing, which was the performance of David Suchet, mm. which I thought was incredible for all the reasons that you said. He was playing this evil character, essentially evil, but he also had all these shades of of grey within that. Mm. This child who is playing at being a man, who knows he's doing evil, but he's doing it to keep his mum alive, and who wouldn't do that? Mm. He he does things that when you go back and see them a second time, knowing what he is, Mm. 
pay off. Yeah, no, totally. There's yeah, there's loads of there's loads of sort of odd moments where it feels like you know, like you said earlier on, he's affecting adult behaviour a little bit, doesn't quite know how to do it, and it's all this weird performance. Yeah, yeah, and stuff like. And also, he turns on a penny really nicely. The bit with the, like, how do you get into the tower? You don't. And uh, which Gollum? It, yeah, in the hands of of somebody less uh, less accomplished, would be perhaps a bit of a cheesy moment. But he sells it really nice. I love mm. David Suchet. He's the nut. He's just brill. I would like to coin the phrase the minutiae of Suchet. The minutiae. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is. He's a very delicate actor. Like I saw him play um, uh, Salieri in Amadeus, the old Vic, years ago, opposite mm. Michael Sheen as as uh, wow. as, as Amadeus. Uh, and I was just really struck about how what a what a delicate, understated performance it was. He's really he's lovely. <laughs> cool we're big fans yeah but yeah I, I i gush a lot it's a thing i do you should probably edit that out no we're ne- i we are never editing out gushing that's one of our things we're pro gushing here Foodcast, gushing all the time <laughs> this bit is not so good so something that i found a little bit challenging or a little not so good this episode it's not a character piece and it's not really a narrative it's more a machine that makes you jump, that unsettles you. It's mm-hmm. it's interested in provoking a reaction from its audience, one of creeping them the hell out, and that's sort of what it's there to do. And I feel like when you strip that away, there isn't a lot of rewatch value in it over and above that. Uh, obviously, the brilliant performances yeah. and stuff, Yeah, that will... I will watch it again, but mm. I don't feel it earns its place as a real classic because it's there to disturb you and unsettle you and make you jump. And that's sort of what it's for. Yeah, it's kind of all about Act 3, really, isn't it? Mm. It's it, Like, getting there is is really just the, 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 the charnel house of killing some young people and then not, actually, <laughs> as, as it transpires. I would have loved it if all the kids came back. I'd love it if, like, some 70s kids yeah, yeah, ran out yeah, the house. Where all, yeah, where, I mean, one presumes, like, like yeah, I, I had a kind of head cannon with that, that the, he, that the house was sort of... That these kids were kind of in the larder, effectively, whereas the seventies kids have been long ago, like fully absorbed. Well, um, I saw on that's Facebook, kind of the only way you have to do it. Really. Yeah, the, the headcanon that I really liked was uh, like batteries. Like so batteries, yeah. All yeah. the other the batteries mm. were gone, but they'd just been installed. They're right. probably running on the last dregs of the last lot. Sure. So every t- that's where the twenty the years year comes cycle from. comes from. Yeah, yeah, no, that's no, that's good actually. That's a nice model. I like that. Yeah, because I was. It would have been kind of cool if like. If some seventies kids had busted out, fifties well. kids, well, it would have been quite cool because it would have been like the end of Close Encounters or something like that, where all the lost children come sure. back, all the lost people come back, and it would have been quite, it would have been quite. But I mean, there's a lot of emotional baggage there for the end of an episode when you've already got a lot to do, and there's <laughs> without sort of you know, without lost college students from the nineteen fifties <laughs> going, what, what do you mean, what do you mean? I can't believe. Plus, think of the extras fee yeah, and all those yeah. costumes. It would be quite a massive thing to do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, 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 because I, 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 I was. Um, yeah, there wasn't much to get your teeth into, was there? Uh, sort of character-wise, with the other the other actors, that was go- that was going to be my complaint. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, I was going to complain about, because yeah, just about the sort of the fact that they're all effectively just red shirts, really, aren't they? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, and and it, but it's hard. It's hard when you've got the a cast who are there to be eaten. <laughs> you know, it's hard to sort of it's hard to do that. Um, 
And then they kind of, and then everybody lives. Actually, ah, that's a point. It is a bit like the end of the Doctor Dances, isn't it? Because you have a mother. Everybody lives. Not just everybody lives, but everybody lives by virtue of a mother recognizing her position with a child. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, and then weird little organisms swarm around them. So, <laughs> so like, it kind of is a similar beat. Um, so, yeah, that was going to be my complaint, but I thought, no, I'll let, I'll let it off for being a bit Scooby Dooish meets Alien. I'll let, I'll let it off for that. And, and I thought, my complaint, if if I have one, is that I didn't like how it was lit. Right. I didn't like how it was lit and framed. Uh, I felt that with a story like this, you need to make the house more of a character. And I thought the external shots of the house were yeah, good. We got a sense of what the place was like. But I didn't really feel like I was in that space. And you want to you experience that space a little bit, don't you? If you're going to do a haunted house story of any sure. sort, you want to feel the house. And I didn't. I just didn't. I felt, to me, it looked like it was dressed and lit in such a way. It looked like a sort of site-specific theatre piece. It looked like a... <laughs> it looked punch like drunk. Punch drunk, yeah. It looks like something like that, rather than it being like a place that we were in. I don't like being able to see too much of it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Especially if you've got an invisible threat, which is what this majoritatively was. You want, you want, more, want more shadow. I wanted it to look more like Hyde. Okay. I think the, the the Matt Smith story. Yeah, that, like that you were mentioning that gothic aesthetic mm. at the beginning. Yeah, mm. I think it's. I think the show's better when it when it when it has proper shadows rather than just sort of areas that are lit slightly blue in the background. <laughs> you know, I like I like it when the show actually has proper dark spaces. Uh, if you if you if you've got to make something like and 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 sort of you know shot from a a wider perspective to show how sort of cavernous the space is in relation to the puny humans inside. Um, so yeah, I didn't like how it was lit and framed, I guess. Oh, I didn't think it was as effective as it could have been. Fantastic. Uh, a slightly higher level of cinema graphic knowledge than normally displayed on this podcast. <laughs> um, fantastic. So overall, what do you think of oh, this episode? I, I really, yeah, I, I agree with you. I really like it. And it's one of those things that I would watch again, uh, mainly just to see the performances from Suchet and, and Capaldi, and and to, to sort of to see to see the third act reveal because it's really nice. Mm. Um, I yeah, I, I I found the sort of the the demon headmasterish nature of the beginning of it slightly annoying because it's a bit like oh I'm, I'm a suspicious man come live in my terrifying house and they're like they're, and they're just so credulous. Sure. <laughs> well, we do need somewhere. Well, don't we, we do. Well, it's just very cheap, isn't it? We should probably go live there. Well, yes. I just the thing is like my like I never moved into a student house ever where my mum didn't get heavily involved sure. and start you know just busybodying around and going like okay is the ten, is the deposit in a deposit scheme who's the land lord <laughs> i mean the doctor fulfills that function in his own way yeah in a little bit yeah poking you, around yeah exactly but i i i i'm just surprised that, that, that at the sheer lack of hang on <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I enjoyed it i thought it was lovely and i thought whilst it wasn't as strong as the ones i think it's the weakest so far but i, I agree but, but it's still, still good high bar still 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 the, the show is still doing very nicely i think Hey everyone, here is the haiku for Knock Knock. Landlord feeds students to house full of spacewood lice. A moving story. And you heard him in the studio last week, Mr Andrew Candish with classic andy it's andy Woo! it's andy yeah it's time for classic, classic andy. andy with stuff he saw inside the show that he thinks that they planned Woo! 
When I was about 10, I collected lots of egg boxes because they resembled the bumps on Dalek's skirts. I started to make my Dalek, but things ground to a halt because A. The school holidays came to an end, and B. I wasn't allowed to incorporate the cake mixing bowl as the Dalek dome. Looking back, these days of creativity and imagination were part of the broader experience of kids of my generation. The components of sci-fi spaceships and monsters were often drawn from washing up bottles, bits of card, and of course, sink plungers. All you needed was your imagination to translate what the Dalek sink plunger might be capable of, and you have a dangerous and mind-boggling technological achievement on screen. Or indeed, right there at home. Is there a difference in these days of CGI? I ask because in the last couple of weeks we've seen 21st century effects represent a huge sea monster and a tree person, both of which were also achieved in Terror of the Zygons and Mark of the Rani with contemporary effects that scared me at the time. I enjoyed working out for myself how effects were achieved and having a go at achieving them with the help of a Blue Peter fact sheet sent from the hallowed postcode of W128QT and wonder how much the achievements of today's effects have affected the homemade endeavours of today's audiences. Answers on a postcard. Or indeed on our Facebook community. Well, that is... It seems, it's always so quick. It's always so quick, these episodes. That is the end of another episode. Angus, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was my, it was my joy. I, I, yeah, I, I like talking about Doctor Who. <laughs> Where can listeners find more of your stuff? Uh, if you want to see some of my stand-up, you can just type Angus Dunnikin into YouTube. And if you want to come see me pr- uh, pretend with some other improvisers, uh, I, I run a regular night at the Rosemary Branch Theatre in Haggerston. It's called Jack Lift Town. It's an improvised rockumentary. Um, and it's a lovely night and we get lots of other really great improv acts down as well. Yeah, and it is amazing. That group is superb. Thanks, man. That's okay. <laughs> I'll put my seal of approval on that one Cheers, dude. without even thinking about it. It's amazing. Um, great. And if you want to get in touch with us at the Oodcast, the Oodcast in any social media will get you to us. Plus, there is the listeners community on Facebook, which we're calling the Commodity because we said it once and now we can't go back. I'm, I'm such a fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, Thank you so much for putting us in your ears once again. Uh, we will be back next week with a review of the next episode, which I don't remember the name of. Oxygen. Oxygen, yes. It's ah, it's Jamie Matheson, uh, which I was, you know... Like, is, is this the Jamie Matheson one? This is the Jamie Matheson one. He is far and away my favourite current writer. Yeah, I was really, like, I was I was, I was, was really hoping that uh, Jamie Matheson would, would have a larger role in the show's future, sort mm. of maybe. I don't know. I mean, I hope he does. Um, I think he will. I'm hoping that Matheson becomes the Moffat to, to Chibnall's RTD. That's my... <laughs> that's my that's my plan yeah i I would be 100 percent with you on that one Mm. oh well there we go let's look forward to that see everyone next week bye Bye. want a room in the house with a creaky floor you can never escape once you shut the door if you're looking for some student digs place is drafty but the rooms are big there's a landlord and the rental is a knockdown price. Hey! So excited! When can you move in? Pick a room next to your best friend, Shireen. Pavel's missing, but he's upstairs having music time. 
stay away from a wood if you want to feel good today. Find a switch for a secret passage up to the tower high. There's a wood in prisoner waiting, the sun won't let her die. These bugs are so hungry, consume your energy. I will call them dryads. Call them dryads. Have a bite of your Chinese takeout, one taste and you'll be fine. You're a drunk in your smartphone, baby. It's my home party time. Signed a contract today, and now it's time to. About his mummy, so damn much it's pretty eatable. Hey, stay away from a wood if you want to feel good today. Ask a man who is not your granddad, he might know what to do. Knock, knock, who's there? The doctor, which doctor, doctor, who? He's got a brand new trust, just to vote them their bars and feed those cheese balls. To defeat those Visited the basic sources and played a tide of free For a hard sixty years broken and a strongly held belief So throw those shutters wide, see fireworks outside No more space frustration, no more space frustration What's a room in the house with a creaky floor? Just like this tendency, you can never escape once you shut the door Your dad could tragedy, what's a room in the house with a creaky floor? Just sign this tenancy You can never escape once you shut the door Your dead contractually Find a switch for a secret passage Up to the tower high There's a wooden prisoner waiting The sun won't let her die These bugs are so hungry Consume your energy So recall, yes recall, yes recall them wood lies Use a tip of basic sources And lead a 